You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. Wet shoes. Wet shoes. Has anyone ever had wet, soggy shoes before? Have you, had, have you experienced this? It's not a very pleasant thing. Put your hand up if you've experienced the soggy shoe thing before. Yeah, okay, so quite a few of you. It's not a very comfortable thing. Um, there was one particular time I had to walk to the train station in order to get to work. Uh, I used to have to do this um, most, most days of the week. And this, it's about a 10-minute walk. It's a pretty, pretty standard kind of walk. Nice uh, thing to do. There's lots of trees around. The sun's usually out. It's great. And on this particular morning, it's about 11 or so in the morning. Uh, the sun's out. As I set out, the sun is out. And I'm thinking, great, this is going to be a pretty standard kind of walk to the train station. Uh, I'm going to get to the train, and then I'm going to do my, my day of work. However, as I left, though it was sunny when I left, uh, it starts kind of drizzling a little bit, um, which is not a, not a huge deal. You know, the, the drizzle is sort of, you know, gets in your hair a little bit and on your clothes, and it's not, not a big deal. Uh, I sort of just think, whatever, I'll just kind of dry off when I get to the train. Not a big deal. But the weirdest thing happens, and this is probably one of the freak, freakiest weather incidents I've encountered, uh, it's drizzling, and all of a sudden the clouds start getting darker and darker, and they're gathering, and, and the rain's picking up a little bit as I'm making my way on this 10-minute journey to the train station. So all of a sudden it is, is pouring with rain, and it even started hailing. It was just insane. And I'm walking to work, and these roads have turned into, like, rivers torrenting down, you know, a, along the road. And I had to, like, wade through these, you know, road rivers to get to the train station. But the most annoying thing is that by the time I get to the train station, it was sunny again. So it was just like this freak torrent of of rain, and the result being that I then had to spend the entire eight-hour shift at work with soggy shoes sculching around. And it's not a particularly comfortable thing. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you just, you're looking towards a, a period of time or a particular uh, event and you just know this is going to suck, this is going to be uncomfortable? Have you ever been in a situation like that? As lighthearted as, and, and jovial as that is, uh, many of us do experience that in far more uh, extreme situations and circumstances in life. And it's not great when you're looking towards something and you realise this is going to be uncomfortable. The good news, the good news for me with my soggy feet and for us in our um, uh, difficult circumstances is that, that God gives us the encouragement to persevere through times of discomfort in order to press forward onto the good works that he's prepared for us. He gives us the encouragement to persevere. And this is a principle which I think uh, many of us as Christians perhaps don't fully embrace and fully grasp. I think we understand it pretty well. Um, we get it. It's a pretty nice concept that God uh, encourages us and, and comforts us. You know, we'd all agree with that. But what does that mean? Why does he do that? Why does he comfort us and why does he encourage us? Does he want us to live a nice, uh, comfortable, happy life through, through his comfort and encouragement? What's going on? So I was drawn to a particular passage which talks about this idea of comfort. So if you'll turn with me to 
uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. This is from the NIV. This is what it says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. At first, this is, um, I think it's a very nice sort of thing to read. Uh, It's a very happy and pleasant idea. You know, God uh, comforts us in times um, of suffering. Uh, It seems like a very kind of pleasant idea, I suppose. But I think there's a little bit more going on, and this is what I want to get into today. So there's a couple of things that I just want to take out of this passage. Uh, The first thing is the context of this this passage, which I think is actually crucial to understanding any New Testament text, any any passage in the New Testament. Um, Crucial to, to getting a full understanding of what's going on is understanding the entire message that's being communicated by the writer. Um, So we have to ask, what's Paul's main message here? Um, And by the way, I would encourage you to do that with any any New Testament text. uh, As you are reading, um, to read uh, New Testament letters uh, like in one go, because you really get this uh, full idea of what the author is trying to communicate and this full full message um, when you read it as as they were intended to be um, read. So 2 Corinthians is heavily characterized with this idea of suffering. And it's something that Paul talks about a lot and he he addresses. Uh, And he's essentially, uh, his message is a message of hope in the midst of suffering. Hope for Christians who are are suffering. Um, So as you read 2 Corinthians with that in mind, you really, it starts to bring a lot of the different parts to life, I think. Um. And so basically, this is, a prologue. this is essentially a prologue to his, his letter. He's introducing an idea, but he wants to start off by making uh, basically a, a main point clear as he, as he gets into this idea. So this, it, it's serving as a prologue. So this idea of, com- of the God who comforts us during suffering is important for us to understand as Christians experiencing suffering. The second thing uh, that you may notice, there's a particular word which appears about 10 times in the first section. Um, in the translation I read, I read it as comfort. Does anyone else have any, any other word, uh, the key word? That's, is there any other words that anyone has? Because that's the most common word. No, I'm not seeing any other, uh, any hands. But often uh, this word is translated as comfort. That's the word that appears in, in most translations. But it really actually carries this idea of uh, kind of encouragement. 
And so some of you might have a translation that reads uh, the God of all encouragement, who encourages us during times of trouble. Um, It really carries that idea. And interestingly enough, the word that Paul is using is, uh, the the Greek word there is actually based on a word uh, which is the same as one that Jesus uses in John 14 to describe the Holy Spirit essentially as our comforter and encourager and the one who comes beside us and, and, and sort of uh, helps us, in a sense. So it's a really important thing to understand about what, what Paul is saying here, this, that this is not the sort of comfort that uh, inspires us to essentially just relax and, and sit down and enjoy, uh, enjoy happiness and, and comfort. It's just the kind of encur- uh, comfort that encourages us uh, to, to persevere and endure uh, through something, in this case, suffering. So Paul wants us to be encouraged uh, to, to onwards towards action. And he also makes his purpose very clear in the way that he frames his argument as well. Why do we receive this comfort? He says in verse 4, we receive this comfort so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive. So we're comforted so that we can comfort or encourage fellow believers in times of, in times of difficulty. And second, secondly, it is for the endurance amidst the suffering that we, that we undertake. So as you see in verse 6, um, if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. So why do we need comforting to, to embrace uh, hardships and suffering that we endure? So there's this twofold kind of idea going on with what Paul's talking about here. He wants us to be encouraged and comforted, A, so that we can comfort and encourage others who are experiencing times of hardship, and B, so that we may be encouraged ourselves to endure and persevere. So the point I'm trying to make here is that this is not the kind of comfort that makes us content with our circumstances. It's the kind of comfort that spurs us on towards something and encourages us. Is this what is going through our heads when we are facing times of of discomfort, when we're facing times of suffering? I had to go to the dentist this week, twice actually. Um, It wasn't great. For those of you who have been to the dentist before, which I'm assuming is most of you, um, I'm not going to get you to put up your hands because everyone's just going to put up their hands. We've all been to the dentist. It's not fun, really, most of the time. It's kind of invasive. You're sort of sitting there on this chair and your mouth is a very personal area, you know, like (laughs) most of the time it's, it's only me that's, you know, doing things in my mouth. And... You, you kind of you sit there on this chair and you sort of let this, this person, not only inside your mouth, but they like putting drills in there and like grinding things and they're grinding away and it's, it's very uncomfortable, isn't it? I'm sure we can all agree. Going to the dentist is very uncomfortable. But we're there for a reason. We're there for a reason, which is the end result, which is ideally happy, healthy teeth. So... I think we all understand that the discomfort of going to the dentist, it's a part of the package. 
We just accept it because that's, that's what happens at a dentist. You don't wallow in the discomfort at, at the dentist. We have our eyes and we have our minds on the end result and the end product. The discomfort is a part of a package. I mean, seriously, can you imagine? Picture Jesus on the cross, and as he's, as he's there, kind of enduring this, this horrible, awful thing, this terrible way to die, all of a sudden going, you know what? I've had enough. This is way too uncomfortable. I actually want to get down. Someone let me down, because this is the worst. Can you imagine that? Imagine if I was at the dentist and I said, turn the drill off, put the chair up, I'm getting out of here, this is, this is way too uncomfortable. I don't want to do this anymore. I, I don't do that, and Jesus didn't step down from the cross. And I think that that's the, the beautiful thing about the gospel, is that Jesus was not this king who, who led a comfortable, happy, pleasant life. He didn't uh, live in a, in a palace like most kings do. He didn't um, die at the ripe old age of, of 78 um, after you know, being survived by his children, um, feasting on these lovely feasts each, each week, um, you know, uh, enjoying the, the kind of the pleasure of, of having all of these servants and whatever it is, as many kings do. Jesus endured pretty much every kind of hardship that is possible to endure as a human being. He experienced significant hungers and significant thirsts. Uh, he, it talks in, in the Gospels about Jesus fasting for 40 days, um, and he travelled long distances and was often very thirsty at the end of those travels, um, as we read uh, with the story of the woman at the well. He was rejected by, by significant groups of people as well. He was uh, not exactly the most popular guy when it, comes to, when it came to politics, um, political powers and, and kind of the powers of the be weren't a huge fan of Jesus. So, so politically and, and popular culture-wise, he was, he was rejected. He was rejected by his friends in times when he really needed them. They abandoned him. He endured physical beatings and lashings and ultimately undertook uh, what is one of the most painful ways to die in in his crucifixion on the cross. And this is the basis for his compassion that it talks about in verse 3. This is, it's for this reason that we can relate to Christ and Christ can relate to us because he endured all of these things. As it says in verse 5, just as we, share, just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And the most amazing thing is that he did it for our sake. Paul understands this, and we see this as we read on. In verse 8 onwards, this is what it says. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope 
that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers, that many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Paul doesn't fear death. He understands it. You know, he says we were under so much pressure, essentially, that we almost wish that we were dead. But he says it doesn't really matter if we do, because God raises the dead anyway. So what's the big deal? I think that's, I think that's crazy and very amusing, in a sense. And it's a huge challenge to us. Paul says, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help by your prayers. Paul is so sold on this idea that the suffering that he personally is enduring is worthwhile because of the reason that he's doing it. And he has this encouragement from God which enables him to persevere and endure through that suffering. He was willing to endure many hardships for the sake of the one who endured hardships for him. So if you flick a couple of pages onwards at the end of the letter, this is in chapter 11. This is what he says. Chapter 11, verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. That is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Can you wrap your head around all of that? I think that's insane. And ideally... (laughs) Ideally, none of us will have to go through anywhere near the level uh, of, of hardship that, that Paul has had to. But why was he willing to do this? He was willing to do that because of what Christ did for him. So the challenge is that if, if that is what Jesus was willing to endure for our sake, what are we willing to endure for his sake? <clears throat> the good news is that God gives us the encouragement to persevere through times of discomfort, to press forward to the good works that he has prepared for us. Remember the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts and encourages us in all our troubles, just as we encourage others in theirs. Do we fully grasp this? Where do we take our comfort? Do we take comfort in God? And what does that comfort inspire us to do? Does it encourage us to endure hardships? Or are we happy um, sitting and and, and wallowing in in nice, pleasant comfort? Because we often find comfort in the nice, happy things of life. And the point I am trying to make here is not that those are bad things, nor am I necessarily making the point that we have to seek out suffering. 
I'm trying to address essentially our attitude towards discomfort and suffering, which is for the sake of the gospel. This is not about generic hardships that we undergo, uh, but it's suffering for the sake of the gospel, because sometimes we're going to be tempted to give in. It's not always going to be easy following Jesus, but a comfortable life was never really part of the deal. We don't wallow in, in the discomfort that, that we receive when, we, when we're following Jesus, because we have our eyes on, on the end goal. So I want to challenge you this morning, what do you take comfort in? Do you take comfort in the things that you own, the things that you, yeah, the, the things you possess, maybe in your house, maybe in your leisure time, in your hobbies? Do you take comfort in the relationships that you have and the time you spend with others? Do you take comfort in the acceptance that you have from other people? And what is your response to times of hardship? Do you take comfort in God? Do you seek to understand the eternal value of of hardships that you face? And ultimately, do you remember what Jesus did as he suffered for our sake? Because if that is what he was willing to endure for us, what are we willing to endure for him? Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would make us painfully aware of the things that we take comfort in. Would you make us painfully aware of that, Father? Lord, we understand that you have not promised us happy and pleasant lives necessarily, but you have called us to follow you. And that means enduring whatever it takes, Lord. Jesus, we are so thankful for what you did up on that cross, and we just pray that day by day that you would challenge us to remember that and that you would encourage us to endure and to persist and to stand on what is true and what is correct and what is right. Let's pray for each of us here that you would show us what it means to follow you with all of our heart. And I just pray for Blair as he gets up to speak uh, to us this morning that you would um, bless him, that you would lift him up and help him to communicate what it is that you've shared to him. Lord, thank you for the way that he serves you and for the encouragement that he is to the rest of us. Amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.com.au.